0: Love Talk Radio. I am your humble host, Lorenzo Neal. Hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. Promoting knowledge that is engaging, transforming, empowering listeners to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around them. You're welcome to join us in this illuminating journey by joining and calling in on our number, 917-388-4293. You can join us, we're live in the chat room on Blog Talk Radio. You can follow us on Twitter. You can be with us on Facebook, uh, join in the dialogue on Facebook. Leave us an email at ltneal at net. Whatever you do, we're glad that you are joining with us today. Uh, you know, I'm kind of getting used to doing this broadcast now. The Lord has allowed us to do it for uh, the past several weeks, and we've just been honored and blessed to be able to have the opportunity express that's what I love about this country, you know the ability to be able to express ourselves independently and think for ourselves act for ourselves, and be able to um have outlets to do such things and blog talk radio is one of those outlets, so I'm grateful for the opportunity and everybody else. There's so many good people i I just kind of you know peruse through the different um different radio shows on blog talk and I tell you man that We've got a lot of good people, interesting people, <laughs> crazy people. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, you know, it's just a wonderful thing. And everybody has a chance to get on this, so it's a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm going to pause just for a moment. Um, I haven't done this on the program. i to try to get into the habit of doing this. I'm going to say a word of prayer, a brief prayer, and then we're going to uh, show today. Father, I thank you. This is another day that you've made. We're glad about it. Uh, we pray, God, that you would bless today, and bless the, the discussion, and bless the, the show, bless all the listeners and everyone who is participating today. God, we thank you for what you're going to do this week, this month, this year, and we pray your choices and riches, blessings upon all. In Jesus' name, amen. I ah, thank you very much for entertaining that short prayer. Well, as always, I start off with news, and I'm going to start off with some news today. Um, it is 112 days since the oil rig exploded in the Gulf, and the good news is that they have sealed the well. They've done the treatment with the cement and everything that they were planning to do, and it's been holding up, and they're in the process of redigging a relief well to seal it completely. And I'm, I'm telling you, uh, I've, I've said it the past few weeks, um, I'm excited, uh, uh, it's it's been a, a interesting experience uh, for those who have been working out there cleaning up the oil. I have several of my church members, uh, young men from my congregation, who have been who uh, work on the rigs and some who have been working cleaning up. And since the uh, disaster happened, and from their experience, they tell me that. It's been a wonderful trying thing But at the same time They've seen the hand of God And they, and i said that before I've seen I see the hand of God in this And that doesn't You know That doesn't mean that um, It wasn't a human mistake That caused it or anything We, we understand that uh, Error Human error it Was caused it Was the cause of it But God's hand still moved in it And we know We see from experience We see rather the outcome That even though human error caused it, human ingenuity and, uh, ingenuity and perseverance uh, has stopped it. And there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, there's still a moratorium, and still people, thousands of people, out of work. There's still a lot going on. There's still families suffering financially because of this. But in all of these things, God will make a way, and God will uh, bring it to bring all the fortunes, to, the bad fortunes, to end. So we're glad for that. We're really excited that it's over. You know, well, the the worst of it is over. The oil is pretty much cleaned up, and from the media reports and from our uh, all all outlets, basically, much of the oil has gone. It's either been blown, uh, you know, burned away, uh, evaporated, and they're still saying there may be at least a million gallons uh, somewhere way deep down in the Gulf. Um, no one has found it yet, but they're assuming it's still there. So there's still plenty of work and cleanup to be done. And by estimates, they're saying it's four times worse than uh, the Exxon Valdez spill that happened in Alaska in 1989. But it doesn't matter how long ago or how bad it is, uh, the cleanup effort has been swift, and 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 everything is working out pretty good. So, continue to lift up the families on the, the Gulf Coast, uh, those who are especially suffering, the fishermen. And the good thing is, fishermen are back to work. Uh, commercial fishing is back open, as i said before. So, you can still come down here. I'm promoting my state, Louisiana. Man, the food is still good, the shrimp, the shrimp is still good. Hey, come on down, enjoy the beaches uh, all along the Gulf Coast. And some of your folk who like to gamble, come on down, gamble. <laughs> but uh, uh things are things are looking up for the go, and what I'm excited about here we are in 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 August, and we have had no none whatsoever hurricane now i'm I'm a knock on wood uh because I know that you know usually uh we don't get hurricanes to use real severe hurricanes until late august early september uh that's when uh, katrina rita uh Happened and um, Gustav and Ike most recently in 2008 And I'm not, I'm going to say I'm not really ready to evacuate just yet (laughs) But so y'all keep us in prayer down here on the south coast On the gulf coast And I just think God's hand has kept back the the storms and the hurricanes so far Um, Over the weekend we got a new Supreme Court justice uh, Justice Elena, uh, Elena Kagan was sworn in as the 112th Justice of the Supreme Court. She's the fourth female. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, although there was appeared to be uh, uh, a battle for her, you know, anybody Obama has appointed, they face some serious critical issues um, and fierce um, rebuttal from Republicans uh but she was actually confirmed pretty good and um there were some Republicans who supported her now i have never made a public statement about uh about uh miss Kagan uh justice Kagan but my only concern is that she would govern not uh she was judged not as a lawyer a trial lawyer or as a politician from the bench uh, uh you know I'm just concerned, I just hope and pray that she would let the law lead, and um, if she lets the law lead, then she'll be a good justice, and people forget about Clarence Thomas and uh, his conservative um, views, and, um, well, not really views, but, you know, he he's the sole African American on the bench, and, you know. People are paying attention to everybody else Except for him I want to give him props too He's been on the Senate He's been on the bench now almost 30 years uh, Next year The Lord wills will make 30 years That he's been a Supreme Court Justice And I don't take that lightly And I don't think uh, he's been acknowledged enough But that's my rant for the day About that So uh, We want to congratulate uh, Justice Kagan And we just pray that uh, as we do for all of our leaders, we pray for them that they will see God face. And if they don't know God or they don't know Christ, that they would come to know Him and be able to make judgment, uh, sound judgment on that. If it sounds biased, yes, it is. You know, uh, the law comes from the ultimate law of God, not just from man. So He's the He's the final judge. Everyone will have to give an account to. <laughs> uh, now, this is a sad story, uh, not, not really sad, but uh, last week young girl opened up a lemonade stand. You know, and, you know, kids, I, I know we all saw it as a summer, you know, a summer thing to do. You open up a lemonade stand and sell for a quarter. Well, for us down south, it's huckabucks, you know, cold cups. <laughs> sell them in cold cups for a quarter and 50 cents. But anyway, so they set up, she and her mother set up a lemonade stand at a county uh, arts fair. And all of a sudden, the county investigators come, and they ask to see their restaurant permit, and they shut the little girl's lemonade stand down. Oh, my goodness. How could you break a little girl's heart like that? Shut the lemonade stand down. And, of course, a lot of people contested and protested because it was just unfair. That was just mean. <laughs> So they apologized. they allowed her to have her little entrepreneur spirit revived and open up the stand again. It this was in Oregon by the way and and um, I guess it did well, <laughs> but you know you gotta start somewhere and the, the little girl she did her best to start a little uh lemonade stand so all the young children out there who who um have the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, don't let anybody break you down. Go ahead and do it. If it's a lemonade stand, if it's a, a cold cup, <laughs> whatever it may be, you get on out there and do it, and you um, enjoy it. All right. Listen, we got a. I have a great topic planned today to discuss about uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart, and I'm sure to a lot of you who are listening. Today we're going to talk about uh, what is better for black children, what kind of education, public school, private school, charter schools, or homeschooling. What is better for black children? We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get right into our topic today. Take this little break right here.
1: Everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more backwards thinking, time for thinking. I hate the world's changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much. My- you have to say, they're the ones who's coming up, in the world of in their hands, when you teach the children, teach them the very best you can. Change yeah. just you and me. Wake up all the doctors, make those people hell They're the ones who suffer and who catch all the hell. They don't have to very long before their judgment day. Won't you make them happy before they pass away? Build up time to build a new land I know we can do it If we all in the hands The only thing we have to do Is put it in our mind Sure, things will work out They do it every time The world won't get no better If we just let it be No, 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 no. The world won't get no better. We gotta change again.
0: Welcome back to Zero of the Day with Pastor Lorenzo Neal Again, I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal We're, at, we're glad that you're joining in with us um, Feel free to call in on our line today 917-388-4293 Join in the discussion Today we're talking about uh, public school, private school, charter school, home school Which is best for uh, black children now this is this is dear to my heart um, because I'm and I'm an educator I'm a teacher um, I've taught in private school and I have taught in public school and as children get ready to go back to school uh, as the new school year starts you know we have to ask a question um, why why is it that so many black children get stumped in uh, public education uh, you know they don't get the best they can get. Um, and why don't a lot of black families explore uh, alternative education options for their children? A lot of I don't think a lot of people realize that there are so many other opportunities for their children to go to school other than public school. And um, uh, in some cases, it it kind of it hurts, and sometimes it helps. But we're gonna we're just gonna investigate this 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 topic this morning, which is what could better serve black children. Uh before we do that, let me give you uh little facts about American education here today. According to World Education Rankings, the US ranks eighteenth in the world as of two thousand eight ranks. Eighteenth in the world when it comes to education. Matter of fact, uh statistically, the top right now uh graduates uh, the American uh, graduates about 75% of its high school students. Uh, that may sound like a lot, uh, but when you look overall statistically, it's really low. Uh, we're paired, uh, when we look, and we look by race, we see, of course, uh, at the top in American education, at the top, believe it or not, uh, the smallest minority is at the top, and that's the Asians. <laughs> The Asians are at the top Of American education And from there You have Uh Caucasians, white Americans They come in second And from there you have Hispanics Hispanics come in third And uh, African Americans Come in fourth And the only group that's lower than us Is uh, Native Americans Now that's That's nothing to brag about uh and when you look at the last three the minority groups uh of course they've all experienced uh discrimination racial discrimination in various forms and various ways over the period of time that has contributed to um their um, educational experiences. but the reality is that um blacks overall we are not doing as well. There is a great, great uh, gap between uh, Hispanics, African-Americans, African-Americans and white Americans, and, of course, African-Americans and Asian-Americans. And uh, I've been blessed to have had every, uh, all of these groups, uh, racial groups, in a classroom of mine at one time or another. And when I look at it, I'm going to be honest with you, uh when i I've taught in the public schools and I've taught in the private schools and in both cases i actually have seen african american students the black students are actually seem to be afraid to achieve educationally uh, i don't I can't explain that I'm just going by what i f what I've seen in my classroom you know um in 1957 we desegregated public schools and when we desegregate when the states deseg uh the government desegregated public schools and yet uh, they had this forced integration and and right now in Louisiana there's still about 40 uh 40 parishes that are not in compliance with uh federal desegregation laws and that's a, that's a lot thing to be that's a big thing to say and uh there are some school districts that are really not adhering to federal desegregation laws. But in the process of integrating schools, what we saw was what people might call white flight. Uh, you know, they're leaving the, the urban areas and going to the suburban areas. And when they did that, not only did they take their children out of the public schools, but the revenue from the public schools left also. And you saw a decline in that. Uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, but uh, but that's that's just reality. You know, and I'm gonna get back to that some uh, come back to that later point. Uh, um, a Harvard professor, Richard Freeman, says the problem isn't that U.S. education is bad. Uh, we have a good education system. The problem is that all the other countries are seeming to move faster, and they passed us up matter of fact in two thousand in the two thousand two thousand two thousand seven two thousand eight school year uh, the hundred largest school districts enrolled twenty two percent of public school students they employed about twenty one percent of all public school teachers and um, they only produced about twenty percent of high school graduates now the problem with that is that of all of these large school districts. Of course, this covers from uh, New York, California, Texas. The average spending on one student ranged from uh, about $21,000 per student. And they're still crying for more money. Matter of fact, um, I I know in Louisiana it's about $5,500 per student, give or take. But that's a high 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 rank number for low performances uh and let's not even get started on the debates about uh in public schools about you know separation of church and state uh what can be included in textbooks what cannot be included in textbooks uh what teachers can teach what teachers cannot teach uh the whole issue of religion and artificial intelligence versus uh um, I mean, uh, intelligent creation, intelligent design versus um, what's this Darwinism, uh, evolution—all these kind of things that uh, that are disrupting public school education. And it's a lot to be said into that. And I, and it sounds like I'm jumping all over the board, and I'm trying to—you know—my brain is getting a little scattered. But the more I think about, and the more I look at the facts. When it comes down to public school education uh, across the board, public school education has not been doing the very best that it could be, and uh, you it doesn't matter whether you're white, black, hispanic, uh, Native American uh, our, our children have not received the best education that they could possibly get in the public school system. Who's to blame for that? Of course, we can shift blame all we want to, but the reality is um, very little is being done. Yeah, um, Every president since, I'd say, as far back as Lincoln, uh, Lyndon Johnson has had some kind of educational initiative. And, of course, with Lyndon Johnson, his was uh, civil rights-based, uh, making sure that um, – Students were getting what they needed as they integrated schools, and uh, a lot of schools in the South, a lot of schools in the South, did not desegregate until the early seventies. Even though, you know, uh, Little Rock Central uh, integrated in the fifties, uh, a lot of a lot of the schools in the South did not follow suit, and uh, most of them, if they did integrate, they had a very very small white student population, and. It, Became largely African American quickly. Again, part of that was contributed uh, contributed by white flight. Uh, but nobody can ship. You know, there's no one who can really point the finger as to why education in America, especially in the public schools, has gone awry. Right. And um, we want to discuss that. We want to find out uh, what really is is it really good for your child to go to a public school and if there are other options in your area uh why not go with those options why not i mean why just let public school be the only option for your child uh your uh, your black child that's the thing to look at uh let's get some real facts uh now every, like i said every president at least since back as uh Lyndon Johnson has had some kind of educational initiative uh, think about President Clinton's Education 2000. Now, I was in college when they were promoting this, and it sounded real good, and it was looking real good. And it had good money to promote it and back it up, but it was not as effective. And then George W. Bush came in 2001 with the No Child Left Behind Act, and that – um, oh boy, I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, it has its great points – but I tell you, on some points, it's just crazy. I'm, I'm telling you from from the teacher's perspective, uh, uh, with the accountability of teachers being highly qualified, and I'm thankful to God that I, I'm a highly qualified teacher. That's a good thing. Uh, that that's a good thing. You know, we want teachers to be highly qualified. We want teachers to be uh, um, to know what their their content and be able to teach their content, and we want them to be accountable, and I I do appreciate the accountability. Uh, You know, we have to stay abreast of current trends in education, uh, constantly getting professional development, and that's all good. Uh, It's really benefiting the teachers. Um, The downfall of that, of course, is testing, 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 because so many teachers in the classroom are teaching to the test, Uh, and... While uh, students are, we're seeing scores improve and we're seeing students uh, come up and as far as testing. On the flip side of that, when the performance in the classroom is not reflecting the test scores and causing the question, you know, teacher uh, accountability and things of that nature, which brings us up to President Obama's uh, Race to the Top initiative uh, uh, that he and the current Secretary of Education are Duncan are promoting. Um, which basically raises the stakes for educational reform and is calling for more teacher accountability, greater teacher accountability. In fact, uh, what is actual promotion is teacher pay based on student performance. You know, that has its downfalls, that has its upfalls, but the reality is can you really say that if a child does not do well on the test, it's the teacher's fault? Uh, On the flip side of that you can say some teachers are not doing their very best to prepare children to uh, for proper assessments in any kind. And that, again, is reflective on test scores, uh, student performance in the classroom, and things of that nature. And it's not limited. It's not just limited to primary, uh, elementary, and secondary schools. It's, um, I'm also including um, colleges and universities because – Uh, when it comes down to it, our our public colleges, private colleges, uh, which one is better for black children to attend. And that's a whole different thing we're going to get into uh, later on as we talk further. I'm going to give you a few more facts here, and then we're going to take a break, another break. Uh, The National Center for Education Statistics, and you can go to their website, www.nces.ed.gov, gov uh, they have statistics for just about everything every grade level if you're ever interested in statistics for public schools, you can go to that website and you can find out everything uh, but I wanted to look at some some uh, some statistics some facts some measures some numbers from you know over a period of time and in particular I was re- really interested in the reading scores for uh, the fourth graders and the eighth graders because that's where uh the key uh testing areas are uh fourth grade and eighth grade uh for the no child left behind act in louisiana they have the leap and the i-leap for those tests um uh, and this is what they get from 1992 to 2009 the average fourth grade reading score has actually fared in the low 200s what the 200s means that uh that's where the grade the the level reading level grade levels and things of that nature is, and, which is between, I'd say between 214 and 221 or 216 is their average, and uh, with all of that, about 36% from 1992 to 2009 still score below, uh, score below basic in reading, and that's in fourth grade. Uh, for the eighth grade, now the eighth graders tend to do better with their reading, uh, their reading scores averaged higher in the, in the mid to high 200s with about 27% scoring below basic. Now, again, that's over a period uh, from, from 1992 to 2009. So what does that say? What does all that mean? What they're basically saying is that there are still uh, plenty of children who are not on their reading levels as they take these tests. And um, if you've been in public school, if you've had your child in public school, you do have the advanced and the uh, the slow, uh, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> and uh, those students that have the impairments and need their uh, educational plans developed, we're not talking about. We're not just addressing those issues. We're just saying that the the numbers don't lie when it comes to reflecting. With the child, how the children are performing. Now, having that been said, in in both cases, African Americans, when the fourth grade as of 2009, they had about three uh, percent. Uh, I mean, excuse me, less than three uh, percent at basic or above, and the rest were uh, approaching basic or not approaching basic. In the eighth grade, it was less than a, less than one percent with basic or above and, or, and you know, not approaching basic. So that, that says a lot for our young black children as to what uh, we need to do and how we need to approach what we need to do when it comes to education. And on top of that, there's just one article here real quick. Uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's African-American fourth-graders trail uh, as of 2009, they're trailing those of their racial peers in every other state and the District of Columbia. And this is from a national government report uh, that was uh, presented. Uh, and that says a lot for Wisconsin. If they're <laughs> – uh, and that doesn't – you know, Wisconsin, that state is apparently fairly rural state, uh, but, you know, they still have some great urban, series, urban areas. And when you compare those figures with the larger states of California, Texas, New York, Louisiana, et cetera, et cetera, the numbers get even worse. So are public schools really doing their best to educate our children? That's the question we're asking. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, private schools and public schools and what's the difference between them and uh, are there available um you know, are, is there anything they can can do to help them uh help our black students uh, do better in school to guide back after this.
1: What?
0: You're joining us again here with Pastor Lorenzo Neal and Zero today. We're talking about public, private, or parochial charter schools, homeschooling. What is best for Black children? What what can Black children? What, what form of education uh, best prepares Black children for society for higher education? What's the best thing? Uh, we were talking about public schools. Yeah, I'm a product of the public school system, and I like to say I, 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 I had some great teachers. I, I, well, I don't have to brag. I know uh, I come from um, a school where the founder of the school, Morris Henry, Henry Carroll, uh, was a great proponent of education in the state of Louisiana, and he had it beat down. He had it run down. I mean, he had it in check when it came to education, and all the students who graduated from those schools uh from that school uh they did great things some of them are doing great great things and a uh, a lot of them are successful and I'm one of those um, and I also attended a a public um uh historically black college and university it's a public school and i've i've been a teacher i mean, i've been an educator in private school and in the public school and you know there's a great attack on public schools, and some of it is warranted, and some of it isn't for example uh just a few weeks ago just a few weeks ago uh Michelle Rhee, uh the chancellor of washington d c public schools fired over two hundred employees because of what she concluded was uh poor performance poor performance on their part when it came to um their students' performance and their performance and basically said they weren't doing their job. So, uh, they were basically there were also about at least uh, several other dozens who were in jeopardy of losing their job the following year if they didn't approve. And um, you know, of course she caught some fire from that and the, the teacher unions were attacking and they just they they said they were gonna make sure that all those child all those teachers uh who were deserving to keep their jobs or keep their job. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, a large part of the problem in uh, education, public education, is all the teacher unions. Uh, they block a lot of things. And I can say that I'm a member of one, two of them, as a matter of fact. So they block a lot of things that sometimes, uh, you know, when it comes to teacher pay, yes, they're strong, and they're right up with it, you know. And I never understood when I was a kid, wow, why teachers would walk out and strike and everything, and I didn't understand that they were not get paid a lot. Oh, I, I couldn't understand that, you know. I go into this to this, uh, shopping store, and I see my teacher that morning working as a store clerk, you know, and I couldn't understand it. You know, they're having two and three jobs to support themselves. Um, Some of that has not changed, and it's still, uh, salaries in a lot of states is still very, very poor. I, I know... Uh, in most states, the average salary is about $30,000 for a teacher. And you can't draw the best and the brightest to a field where, you know, you're not guaranteed a good salary. Of course, it's different if the salary is higher in some areas. The salary may be forty dollars fifty or $60,000, but the cost of living is even higher. So all those uh, play a factor in it. But the fact that uh, this chancellor looked at the public school Uh, The teachers and said There's got to be more accountability for our children But um, You let some people say uh, When it comes down to Accountability, there's a subjective Subjective area, you know, it's kind of Flawed because it's human and it's Loopholes and all these things Um, But we know We we, we know that Our black children, when they go to public schools They're not getting the very best That they can get Uh, In some cases, you know uh, that the children are allowed just to sit and do nothing. In some cases, the children are not pushed to what they could do. And in a lot of cases, the children just, you know, those who are very intelligent, highly intelligent, young black men and women and young black boys and girls, uh, do not want to seem smart. And I know I was I was a nerd in school. I didn't mind being smart, but, you know, even in my classroom and in both my band classroom and fine arts classroom and English classrooms, what I came to see is that a lot of the black kids are really smart, but they get talked about for being smart. And, you know, I I didn't understand it when I was in school, and I don't understand it now. And um, the public school does not nurture those minds in some cases, not all cases, but some cases it doesn't nurture those minds, and those kids get lost in translation. Those kids end up being... uh, You know, they get shunned for being smart And they do just enough to get by And that's what I see in a lot of classrooms They do just enough to get by If they think a C is going to make it, that's fine Uh, And of course, don't even get us started On the graduation rates of young black men And young black women I know in Louisiana Only about uh, 53% of black men Graduate from high school With the right, you know, credit Not with a GED And not with a Um, Alternative credits That's with regular diploma That says a lot And believe it or not Most of you may not be aware of it But actually if you do not get a child Interested in education by the uh, Fifth and sixth grade They have uh, 85% chance of dropping out of school By the ninth or tenth grade And that says a lot That's just in the African American community So what do we say about these teachers Uh, in the public schools that, for example, New York City schools, uh, public school system, they have uh, hundreds of teachers who are getting paid to do nothing, sit around and do nothing, but they're paying them. Then uh, you have students in uh, historically black schools like in Baltimore, uh, where a lot of these students at Frederick Douglass High in Baltimore, uh, I think that's the right name. A lot of these students, are, they're not even attempting to do what they could do to excel. You know, they settle for the street life, and that's what's promoted, and that's what they do. But uh, one thing that has been steadfast, uh, aside from public education, has been private education. Private education has always been accessible to black children uh, as early as the 1870s when um, Black churches began to organize schools. and White missionaries came down to the south, and they began to organize schools for black children. Uh, these were not public schools. These were private schools that were administrated by churches. Some of those schools continue to this day. Some do not. Uh, some became public schools. And some closed down. Some, as a result of integration, you know, were forced to close down. Uh, but private school, the Catholic church in particular, the Catholic Church has always been on the forefront of private education, private school education for blacks. And they've done some, you know, free of charge and some reasonably fair, but the uh, traditionally the black uh the Catholic Catholic Church has always been has been there for private education. And when you look at the figures and the facts, when it comes to private education, uh uh parochial school education, Versus the public school education, uh, about seventy three percent fare better when it comes to private school education. Uh, why is that? Why is that? Well I've taught in a private school at a Catholic school, and I can tell you <laughs> there is the strictness of Catholic schools. Anybody who's gone to a Catholic school knows that those nuns are strict. Those teachers are strict, they mean business, they don't tolerate anything. <laughs> and uh, if you watch this, the uh, the movie Sister Act, Sister Act, Sister Act, Act 1 and Sister Act 2, you give an idea, <laughs> and, you know, although it's music-related, they were serious about education, and they still are. And the black, uh, not just the Catholic Church, but we're seeing more and more black churches, uh, and this is with our applause, more and more black churches starting daycare centers and uh, uh, pre-kindergarten schools um, and some even going up as high as the uh, primary grades and uh, high school, secondary grades. And that's a phenomenal thing because when the church is involved in the education, uh, you can see the growth. And everybody, you know, uh, most people agree that, that in the black community, the church is the driving force behind a lot of the things that we do, a lot of the things that we experience, a lot of the things that we are uh, that are uh, we learn. We learn from the church, and a lot of black churches are beginning to step up to the plate when it comes to educating our children. Uh, they're seeing that there's not enough being done in the public schools, and you know. A lot of parents complain because they got paid to go to private school. Maybe uh, it's worth it sometimes paying money to go to school. Uh, when you look at the average cost that the taxpayer is paying per child to educate a student in the public schools, and think about it, if you're paying, uh, like I say, the the very the average is about five thousand, but in the larger urban school districts, you're talking about as much as twenty twenty five thousand dollars per student. And that's a, that's taxpayer money. That money, that's money that could be saved if you go to a parochial school, and you're paying maybe about four or five thousand dollars a year, if that, you know. And of course, they get it more experience, more, uh, more expensive as uh, the grades get higher, or you know, the more uh, well-known the school is. Uh, but private school is an alternative, and I don't know why a lot of children. Uh, parents, well, the biggest issue against private schools uh, um, is the fact that okay, how can we send our child? We want to send our child to a private school, but we can't afford it. Well, now there's the issue of vouchers. Uh, and in the early '90s, uh, there was one Congress person in particular who fought very well, very hard for vouchers, and he just happens to be. An A.M.E. pastor, <laughs> who was a former congressman, uh, uh, that fought for school vouchers. He he was adamant for it, and and he uh, promoted it more than a lot of people did. Vouchers, basically, you know, have somebody pay, help you assist. And when I was teaching in the private school in a Catholic school, a lot of the black students who went there went there on scholarship. Now all their parents weren't doctors and lawyers, but the school reached out and supported their students, you know, gave them opportunities. And in most cases those children would not have excelled had they gone to a public school, but when they went to the public when they went to the private school they tended to do a little better. Now that doesn't mean that uh Everything is good, but they just tended to do a little break. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Quick break real quick. Take a break, and we're going to begin to wrap up the show right after this.
1: In black, and just go with the flow, you know. In the place to be with my man Marley Marl, sitting this out to Divine Force. Can't forget my main man Heavy D, and to my good brother EPMG, and to my man Ice over on the West Coast. Can't forget Kumo D, busy.
0: Welcome back to Zero Out Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're wrapping up our last segment here as we've been talking about uh, public, private, charter, homeschools, which best is for what is best for black students. Uh, There's an author I want to quote real quick, Samuel Friedman. He has a blog, uh, samuelfriedman.com, and he talks about a lot of things relating to black America. But uh, He talks about uh, private schools and homeschooling a little bit. And um, this is what he says. When um, <laughs> when white families pull their children out of big city public schools, everybody pays attention and debates whether the cause is educational failure, racial bias, or some other factor. When African-American parents do the same thing, hardly anyone seems to care, <laughs> as if blacks are just supposed to accept whatever the neighborhood school dishes up. Good Mediocre, uh, mediocre or abysmal And that's a powerful statement right there Because that is what uh, a lot of black parents just believe Well, you know, the bus comes here So I'm going to send my child to the school uh, I want to send them to a private school But I can't afford it So they're just going to have to settle for less You know, Um and then there's the issue of homeschooling. A few black parents realize the power of homeschooling. You don't have to have a teacher's degree to homeschool your child. There are plenty of materials that are available that you can get. That you can, That's a full curriculum of homeschooling material that you can use to teach your child, and you can make sure that your child is getting where they are. And then on top of that, it's accredited and it is worth all of it. You know, the kids, just because they don't go to a, a physical school does not mean that they are left out because they can also, in many states, uh, those children who are homeschooled can also participate in local athletic, you know, on a public school athletics program. So, you know, your kids don't have to feel left out. And I think my whole my whole intent of this program, was to get us to think it differently, to think outside the box, you know, that we don't have to just settle for what's being put out there. And we know, we know public education in America is not what it used to be, it's not what it should be, but we can change that. We don't have to settle for what is going on. There's private schools. There are charter schools, public charter schools, and more and more states are, are, are opening up public charter schools public charter schools simply they're public they're supported by the church, uh by the public and you know they can be uh dev- the, developed by a nonprofit group a community group and and you can say okay we want access we want access to the public funds to be able to properly educate our children and states are going there uh a uh, 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 race to the top is program is uh promoting that and 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 there's a homeschool. I think if more people, more blacks, just stop, 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 and look beyond what they can see, they realize, man, they've been cheating themselves and cheating their children. Because a lot of times when the children go to school, uh, yeah, they it doesn't matter. You kill children will pick up on stuff no matter what, you know, you can send them to a private school and they'll pick up on bad habits. You can send them to a public school and they pick up on bad habits. Uh you can homeschool them. <laughs> they're more they're probably less likely to pick up bad habits, but again, you know, that that they will get that some way somehow. <laughs> you know, television, radio, music, yeah. but we have to begin to explore our options. But think about it. Think about it. Uh as as he said if a white if a number of white a significant number of white parents pulled their children out of the public school which is what happened in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and they began to start these private schools you know what sent them to uh catholic schools what we had was reverse segregation because now in public schools those public schools are predominantly minority you have a large population of major, uh blacks and hispanics The minority minority are now the majority. That's reverse segregation. And the the whites are small, you know, small population. And you just look at, you know, sports teams on most of these public schools. And, you know, the kids, you know, dominating the basketball team. I've seen schools where the entire basketball team was black with maybe one, you know, one speck of white. And... If they have other sports, the football team, they may have a few sprinkles of white also on the football team. But then when you look at the baseball team, the baseball team is predominantly white. When you look at if they have a tennis team or golf team or something of that nature, uh, predominantly white. But the student population is predominantly black. And that says a lot. But, you know, hey. But the thing is that we must begin to say that uh, we will not just settle for whatever is given to us. You know, we don't want our we, we want change. Everybody wants change. Everybody wants change. But the reality is, change does not come by inactivity. Change comes when you begin to say that we want change and we're going to act on change. I think about um, Mama Collins who started a private school in Chicago, and everybody said that that private school would fail. But when you look at it today, The school is doing better than the public schools in the Chicago system. The students are performing better. The grade levels, they're reading on grade levels. They're performing. They have those high academic standards, and they're achieving it. The students are rising up to the occasion. And when you homeschool your child, you know, you set the standard for your child. You say what your child can and cannot do. You say who your child can and cannot be. You say what is available for your child. Do that. When you do that, you begin to say, okay, we're not settling for what the government, or the public sector is offering us. We're saying we can do better, and we will do better. And when we begin to do that as a black, uh, black community, we will, uh, I mean, we'll see achievement beyond achievement. And I think that's what needs to be happening in the black community. Uh, so you ask the question yourself, and you go it. What's best? Public schools? private all coolers, whatever you do, make sure you transition.